Okay, so we're going to continue our message on identity today. So our first message that I brought to you to open this, um, this theme was that we must get a, a, a proper image of God if we're going to make it successfully in our walk with God. And the two things that I tried to leave you with was just two attributes of God, and there's so many more as we've been to learn about who God is, is two things, that God is completely good, remember, and God loves you. And if you can just carry those two things with you through our walk, they will help stabilize our walk with God and keep our mind fixed on who God really is. Last week, Linda brought to us about a man called Jacob, and, and God changed his name because his character was changed in that name change because he encountered God. And encouraged us last week to see how people's lives are changed from what they were to something new in God. And all of us are on that journey that if you've given your life to Jesus, then you can identify at least one area of your life where you're different, where the life of God has brought some transformation in your life and you're no longer that's, you are the same person that you were before you met Jesus. And so today I want to just to talk um, to us about our own identity. So we have to get a proper view of God if we're going to actually be fruitful. But also we have to make sure that we have a proper image of who we are in Christ. And so that is so important for us if we are going to actually fulfill everything that God's got for us. We have to have a true identity in who God says who we are and our position is in, who is in Christ. So I'm going to touch on a few things today. And so if you look through the scriptures, James tells us that anybody who looks intently into the law of God or the word of God and begins to look at it, it's like him, he describes the word of God as a mirror which gives us a true reflection of, first of all, who God is and what he's done for us, and also what are we to look like, who we are in Christ and what God has done for us and our true image. He said, if anybody looks intently into the word of God or the law of God and looks at it and then goes away and, and forgets what he looks like, in other words, doesn't put it into practice, then he will be unfruitful in all his ways. And so... For me, I begin to think about the Word of God, the Bible, the, the foundation, because the thing is that many of us in, our, in the world today draw their identity from, first of all, of what they do and how much they've got. It's not so much in who they are, because the thing is they draw their identity either of what their performance is like, you know, what do you, what, you know when you introduce somebody, what do you do? You never usually say, who are you? You know, what are you really like? It's always, well, I do this or I do that. And, and when you look at society today, everything is drawn by what you have and what you do and not so much who you are. In fact, who you are, when we see who people really are, no matter how much they've got or what they do, can sometimes be discouraging, can't it? When you see our, our exposure of people's lives today, that they may be in amazing positions in what they do, they may have loads of, of possessions, but when who they are comes to the surface, it, we're shocked because that's the real person. And so that's their true identity. And so James is saying that if you want to get a true identity of who you are, 
you must make sure that the word of God is your mirror. Because if not, you'll be shaped by circumstances or other people's opinions who do not know God and society who are far away from God. And everything they say and do will try and shape your identity. And we forget what we look like, what we truly need to look like. And that only can be found in the scriptures, the word of God. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, to take that word, that image, and begin to transform us from the inside out. First of all, between our ears, where our mind gets renewed to, be, to, to know what God wants of us, what he's like and what we're like and our position. And the Holy Spirit begins to do a work inside of us where our character is changed to be more like Jesus, our true identity. So let me ask you a question today. How many of you check the mirror this morning before you, before you come to church? Come on. How many of you looked in the mirror before you come out the door today? Well, I had a quick, I got myself ready and I've got the mirror out of the look and I thought I look all right. So then I went to my second mirror, which is Linda. Okay. Linda's my second mirror. I went, and I'm expecting to say, wow, awesome. I went, how do I look? And she went, have you got any other jeans? <laughs> so the second I went back, a bit disappointed because I thought I dressed well the first time. Um, and the, the reflection looked okay. But then I went to the second mirror and, and she said, have you got any other jeans? And she was kind about it. So I changed the jeans and I looked at the mirror. I thought, mm, you're right. It just matched better. Uh, so here's what I'm trying to say to you. That if you're going to make it, as a follower of Jesus, to be fruitful, you have to have two things of reflection in your life. Number one, the word of God and godly people who love you. Because they will help you to assess your reflection because we are so self-deceived at times of what we look like. Here's the other thing. If you, if you keep the Bible out of your life, you're going to get deceived because you'll forget who you look like. And the only way that we can begin to find our true identity is in the Word of God because that's the mirror that tells us all the time of who we're supposed to be and who we are in Christ. So can I encourage you that, that you can't expect just to look in the mirror once and then just be cool the rest of your life. How many of you know that if you only, if for the next week you never looked in the mirror and you just went to work, you might get a few funny looks. Because you'll only, you'll think you look like what you looked like last week in the mirror. But how many people know that your hair will be out of line, your makeup might be in the wrong place. There's all sorts of things that will change if you don't keep looking in the mirror of God's word. And also to have godly people around your life because all of us have blind spots. Now, we don't want people that's always telling us we're rubbish. We want people that loves us enough to say, have you got any other genes? Because they want, our be they want the best for us. And so I want to encourage you today that, that God has an image for you. And the challenge that we have is that when we, when we come to Christ, we bring with us our past. We bring with us our 
upbringings, our cultures, our experiences, our, our failures, our disappointments, our wins, and we come to Christ as we are, and Jesus saves us, and we're now born again, and we now this, we know God, but all of a sudden we've still got us in the midst of it, in the midst of us, and the change has taken place, but not all of it. Only people would agree with that. But not all of you have, have been transformed to the total image of God in one day. There's some of you that's changed and you've come alive to God and now we're on a journey of trying to, to change according to, to God's ways and God's image one day at a time to be more like him. That takes a lifetime. It takes a lifetime of trusting in God and reading his word and asking God to help you and allowing his spirit to change you from the inside out for the word of God and the spirit of God to renew our minds because we brought into this narrow new relationship with all kinds of thinking which is, is not godly. It's what we've learned and it may not be accurate and we've ended up here um, with all our baggage. And so we're on this journey now, trying to look more like Jesus, trying to live more like him. And the thing is, it is difficult because so many times the old nature, the things that we used to do, keeps seeping through. How many of you experience that? The Apostle Paul says, I want to do what is right, but I just can't help keep doing wrong. Because he was on a journey too. We're not instant perfected like Christ when we come to Jesus. But we are on a journey and God's in his patience because God is not a manipulator or a controller. He gives us free will to walk in a relationship with him. And the more you walk with him, the more you be like him. Because I want to tell you, if I look at your, your relationships in your life, those relationships in your life, you will, uh, you will sort of identify with those people and, and they will rub off on you. So the people that you travel with if, if they're not healthy for you, that will rub off on you. And so the more you walk with God, the more you be like him. The more you read his word, the more your mind be, is renewed. The more you start to learn the habits in the past are no longer the habits that you need now in this new relationship with God and for your life. And transformation begins to change. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5 says, If anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. But all of us know that the old is still walking with us. And we have to shake off every day, every month, some of the old so we can look more like Jesus and be more like Jesus to the people that we, with, we live with. And it's so difficult at times because our old nature is in conflict with this new nature. But yet Christ has given his Holy Spirit where now when we do things which is out of line, we get convicted, not condemned. If you are condemned today, that's the work of the enemy. If you're convicted, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Where before, when you didn't know Jesus, you would do things wrong and you enjoyed it. Now, as a Christian, when you do things wrong, you can't enjoy it. You feel bad about it. That's a good sign that God's living in you. You see, if you are saying you're a Christian and you can just live your life like you lived before you, you said you'd become a Christian and you're not even bothered, your conscience is not even bothering you, I would question whether or not you've met God. Because I know even people that's walked away from God 
because of experience of that or, or whatever it may be, but they still know they're doing what is not right. Their conscience is still alive that something's not right with their walk with God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit dwells in us and he helps us and leads us into all truth. So if there's anyone in Christ, they're a new creation. And that, in, that new creation has started in us and as we are growing to be more like Jesus, that takes a lifetime. And we will not be fully there until Jesus returns because when he returns, the Bible says, then we will be like him. <clears throat> so on that way, we want to be more like Jesus every day of our lives. We want to be more like him in our character, in our nature, to love him and to love other people. That's the basis of our war with God. And so we have to also understand that so it's not instant, our transformation, but in Christ there are some things that are instant, like our position in Christ. And those things that are instant, there's nothing that we can do to get that instant. That's the work of God only for us. And they're the things that I want to focus on in the next few messages is that what has God already done for you that you can't do nothing about, that you can't earn it, you, you can't develop into it. It's what, what Christ is on the cross has already done for you in Christ. In other words, there is a position that you have in God that only he has made available for you and you cannot add to that, which is good news for us. And some of those things I want to talk to you about as we go through the scriptures, but I, I want to help you to understand that, that how you think about yourself will determine your walk with Jesus. If you don't think what he thinks about you, if you don't know your position in him, you'll be, you'll be thrown all over the place as you walk with Jesus. You'll be walking in guilt, walking in shame, walking in failure because you, you don't know who you already are in Christ for what he's done for you on the cross and also who you can become. You are a new creature. You are forming new habits. You, God is restoring the original intent on your life. And as you walk with him, Christ will begin to develop in your heart and life. And you begin to see things change in your life. I am a different person to I was when I first became a Christian. Old habits have gone. New habits have been formed. There is a new Jason today because of the work of Jesus of my mind being renewed, of experience being changed, of allowing others to speak into my life and allowing the word of God to have room to speak over me. As you look in Judges chapter six, we see an example of when God tried to come to a, a young man called Gideon and speak the word of God into his life, the mirror. He brought a mirror to Gideon of who he really was. But Gideon's background and upbringing couldn't see that in his own thinking and life. And many of us in this room and online, when God tells you who you are, when you're reading the word what you can become, you don't believe it because of what you've been told or what you experience or what you're like. But God's power not only saves you but can change you. His work in you can help you to become more like him. So in chapter 6, verse 12, it says, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So, so God sent an angel, which was the word of God, 
and begin to allow Gideon to speak into his mind about what God sees in him, what the true reflection of the mirror was about Gideon's life. He said, you're a mighty warrior. He spoke the word over his life, but Gideon was far in his own mind a mighty warrior. But the truth was, it's what God said about him, not what anybody else said about him. And what Gideon said about himself. And that's why we have to lean to the word of God. What do you say about me, God? What do you say I can become? What position am I already have from you? And so the angel said, Gideon, you're a mighty warrior. And if you read down in Judges 6.14, the Lord said to him, go in the strength that you have and go save Israel. Am I not sending you? And then Gideon said, pardon me, Lord. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest and I am the least in my family. You see the problem right there? That God wanted him to lead the nation. God wanted him to start hiding in a wine press and go do great things for God because God declared who he really was. But Gideon is hiding because he didn't understand his true identity in Jesus. He said, I am the least, and many of you in this room today and online cannot do the things that God has prepared for you because of the way of you think about yourself, because it's not in line with the way that God thinks about you. It's not arrogance, it's not pride. And we have to transition. Lord, what do you say about me? Gideon, you're a mighty warrior. And Gideon said, no, I am the least in my family. I am the weakest. Who told him that? Because Gideon believed the lie. And many Christians, followers of Jesus, worship the Lord and we sing the songs and we, and we, and we go home and, and we, we believe a lie about who we are because of our failures and our mistakes and and when we look in the mirror of God's word, we don't line up because of our lifestyles and we feel so guilty and we think we could never reach that and we believe the lie of the enemy and our circumstances. And we have to transition to believe what God says because he's our creator and he knows us better than ourselves. He knows our potential. But if we don't, if we don't move into who we are in Christ, we'll never be fruitful as much as God wants us to be. And it's a process. If you look in Numbers 13, God had promised the Israelites great things and he sent spies out with Caleb and Joshua to go and search the land. And they came back and they said, it's an, it's an amazing land. We can, we can go certainly do it. God has prepared a promise for us and we need to go take it. And many times God's promises are there for us and we see the promise and we can see that God has got great things for us but we pull back and the only reason we pull back is because we forget who we are and we say we can't do that. And so Caleb stands up and says we can go take these people and then the reply was we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread a bad report about the land they, they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw are of great size. 
we saw the Nephilim there, and it says this in verse 33. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. The only thing that stopped them from entering the promise of God was their identity. How they viewed themselves under God. And if you undervalue yourself, if you underview yourself to what God says about you, you will never, ever enter the promises of God. That's why Paul says we can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength. Many of God's promises are on the other side of our obedience. And if you don't believe in yourself, who else is going to believe in you? If you don't believe under God and by his power and his Holy Spirit and his word and who he's made you to be, if you don't believe that you can do what God's told you that you could do, then you will never get what God's promised you. And so we have to lean into what God tells us about who we are in him. And so I want to talk to you about your position in Christ. What God's already done for you as a child of God. As somebody that's given their life to Jesus. Something that you can't earn. It's when Christ died on the cross. He deposited something to us and positioned us in him. And Ephesians 1 is a great passage for you to read. To begin to meditate and to look at my position in Christ. All because of what he's done for me. And Ephesians 1 says, in Christ we have been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Did you know that every spiritual blessing in heaven has been given to you of what Christ has done on the cross for you, not what you can do for him? You can't earn these blessings. You can't gain them by whatever you do for him. That was given to you when Christ died for you and you gave your life to him. That's a positional right that was given to you through Christ. In him, you've been blessed. In him, not in you. In him, you've been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Verse 4, verse 11. In him, he chose you before the creation of the world. So therefore, you wasn't looking for God, but he was looking for you. He chose you. You didn't choose him. So whatever you do in your performance, you can't get any more approval from God because you didn't choose him in the first place. He decided he wanted you. It was his choice, not yours. And so you can't earn God's cho choosing. You can't earn his approval. You can't earn that he wants you to be a part of his life because that was his decision. And when he died for you, you automatically tells us that he chose you to be brought into his family and adopted you as his son and daughter. In verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. This is something that you could not earn. You didn't get any of this. It was because of what Christ did for you. He redeemed you. He brought you out of a slave market of sin and brought you into his family all because of his death and resurrection. You had no part to play in that. And then it says this, that he redeemed you and he forgave you of all your sins. Your good works your good behaviour did not forgive you of your sins. It was Christ's works on the cross. In him, you've been forgiven of all your sins. 
And so many Christians still trying to work out good works so God will forgive them and God will accept them and God will bless them. But they've already been given to you on the basis of what he's done for you, not what you can do for him. If you'd only get that this morning, you'd be free. Because our obedience comes out of the revelation of all those things that God's given me for nothing. And I only want to be obedient because of his love to me now, not to earn his approval. I'm already approved. Why? Because I've accepted Jesus as his one and only son into my life. That's the greatest condition of approval. When you accept Jesus into your life, all the benefits follow from us. Verse 12, 13 and 14, in him, please never forget that today, in him, in Christ, when you believed you were included and marked with a seal of the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance for this, for this who is God's possession. When you believed God gave you a position, an inheritance. He marked you. You became a part of him. You belonged to him. He sealed you with a seal of ownership on your life. All because of what Jesus did for you. That's my position. I'm now a son. You're a daughter. I'm an heir of Christ. And this was not earned by me. One thing I want to leave us with today as I come to finish this message. I want to leave you one truth in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter, passage of chapter 1. Is that you've been adopted into God's family. Adoption is amazing truth that God's given to us freely by his grace. That when you give your life to Jesus, he decides not only to choose you, to forgive you, to redeem you, to bless you, but to bring you into his family as a son and daughter. Isn't that amazing truth? And you didn't earn it. He decided to do it on his own. He did it in the package of Jesus. How many of you have renewed a, um, a package today of, of like Virgin Media or Sky? Anybody renewed their package when you pay for a package, you get the package that you've signed up for. When, you, when Jesus paid the price for you, you get the package of all these things in Ephesians 1. You, you don't have to take an extra subscription out and pay any more money for these things. Christ's death and blood paid the price that for you to have the package of position with him as sons and daughters seated with him in heavenly places. Isn't that amazing? That, that we was going to a lost eternity and Christ has chose us and brought us into his family and adopted us as his children. Nothing that we could earn. You know, when you look at the royal family, if I would have talked to them and said, how did you become royal? How much did you pay? What good works did you do? And they'd probably turn around and say, we didn't do nothing. It was just because we were born into it. See, when you're born again, you're born into a royal family. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You just was born into the right family. And when you're born again, you're born into God's family and he's adopted us as his children. And that is an amazing truth. But the devil always wants to rob your identity. And if he can take that from you, you lose and so Jesus in Matthew's gospel, as he's going to be baptised just before he's going to start his ministry after the wilderness temptation, he hasn't done any ministry up to this time, 
He comes to the waters of baptism and something amazing happens. The, the heavens open and a voice comes from heaven. And this voice is incredible because this is the voice that some of you need to leave with this morning. This voice says, this is my son whom I love and I'm well pleased. See, if I were to ask you today, if heaven opened right now, and I were to say, what do you think your heavenly father would say over your life? Would it match these words? This is my daughter who I love and am well pleased. This is my son who I love and I'm well pleased. And many of you, because of your life and your mistakes and, and your, your shortcomings, rob you of the truth that God loves you unconditionally. Because that's your position. It's not your performance. Before Jesus did any ministry, God approved him. Before he did anything for his father, he approved him. And said, look, before you start this ministry after the wilderness, I want everyone to know, I love you. You're my son and I'm well pleased. And at that moment, he goes through the waters of baptism and he goes straight in, led by the Spirit into the wilderness and the devil comes to him. And what does the devil do? The devil says to him, if you are the son of God, the devil tries to attack his identity of sonship. And Jesus responds one way, it is written. Three times the devil says, if you are the son of God, if you are proved by what you can do. And Jesus said, no, I don't need to prove by what I do, I already am. It is written. I want to remind you, devil, before I even come into the wilderness, my father has already approved of me. I'm already his son, I've not done anything to prove it. I'm already accepted, I'm already loved. And so it is written. And that's what we've got to do, church. Not based on your performance, but on our position in Christ. That when we gave our life to him and he forgave us and redeemed us and he brought us into his family, he says, I love you unconditionally. You're my son. You're my daughter who I love and I'm well pleased. And some of you need to hear these words today in your mind and your heart because you've come into church today and just like Gideon you say but I am the weakest and I'm the least in my family and we get robbed of his promises and his purpose over our lives because we choose to live a lie and not the truth of what God says over me see three things that will tell us a lie number one is our experiences and our failures. Some of you walked in church today and your identity is shaped by your behaviour. You made a mistake, you live with guilt and shame and that becomes who you are. And I want to tell you in Christ it's not. And so you, tell, you, you feel that this is what I'm like because of what you've done and the things that you can't keep up to and that drives you into slavery because you can't live the life that you want to live and you, your identity is shaped that I am no good and then, then you, you begin to are shaped by circumstances and failures and mistakes of the past and then there's the mistakes of what other people will tell you. If, you. if you've been brought up in your life and somebody spoke over your life and say that you're no good, you'll never make it, you are useless. 
How can you think you can do that? And then our identity is shaped by those that spoke over our life and we live with that in our lives. And maybe today you've walked into this room and, and somebody has shaped your life in the last month of speaking over your life what's not true about you. And you live under a cloud of shame and darkness, but not under the cloud of acceptance that opened up when Jesus heard the voice of the Father and said, this is my son who I love and I'm well pleased. And then there's the voice of yourself. Because after your past experiences and your present failures and somebody is telling you, you agree with them and you establish a covenant of lies over your life and you believe what Gideon believed, a lie about yourself. And it's not true about you. And you say, yeah, I am like that. Yeah, but now you're a new creation. Now God can change that just like he changed Jacob's lives. It's not over till it's over. I'm on development. I'm on reconstruction. I'm a brand new creation. I'm adopted into God's family. I'm redeemed. I'm seated. I'm a child of God. I have a a seal of approval on my life guaranteeing my inheritance. He loves me because he died for me. And if you could only allow that to sink into your mind today, then you'd be a changed person. See, none of this can be earned for your life because Ephesians says it's by grace you've been saved through faith that is not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. All this is given to you because of his position in your life. Three times he said, if you are the son of God, if you are the daughter of God, prove it by what you do. Jesus says, no, no, it is written, I'll prove it by who I am. Of who I am. That song, I am who you say I am. And if only you would allow the Holy Spirit to renew your mind and to wash your mind, to wash your heart of all the dirt that clings to us because the word of God is also like water. And as you begin to read it, and as you begin to hear the word, like some of you, some of you this morning are being washed. Your mind is being renewed to the truth. Some of the things that hold you back are beginning to be shake off and let loose, and you start to be a bit more free, and the guilt is starting to lift, and the shame is starting to, to, to retreat. Why? Because the truth is beginning to set you free. And as you align your heart and your mind to allow the word of God, which is a hammer and a mirror and life, begin to renew and shape your mind to kill all those strongholds of lies over you. You begin to begin to lean into who God says you are. Because it's the power of his word and his spirit that can set you free. John 1, as I come to close. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of husband's or a husband's will, but born of God. Listen, who gave the right for you to be a child of God? Not your wife, your husband, your friend, your your employer, your boss, but God did. God did. The highest authority ever that exists. He gave the right 
because you believed to become a child of God. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you a slave so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about adoption to sonship and we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. That's what you are if you have given your life to Jesus. You've been adopted into his family as his child and he is your father. But when, Galatians says, but when the the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are, are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. That's why everything in Ephesians 1 is yours. It's your inheritance from your heavenly father who has adopted you into his family. And nobody can steal that position from you, only you. Let's stand. I want to just speak just briefly over your minds and hearts today and those online. I I want you to ask yourself an honest question. What's the most thing that you say about yourself through the week? What have you carried in this room? What do you carry with you in your mind of what you believe about your situation about you what, what, what's attached itself to you that every time you meditate on it makes you feel a bit worthless or hopeless what is it that, that you carry that, that, that just maybe might not be what God says about you or thinks about you or who you meant to be What is it that that naturally leans to you and comes to you when you do things that doesn't work out or when you think about yourself and 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 that thing comes to your mind about you as a person, even though you love God, even though you come to church, there are just some things that attach themselves to our minds and hearts that we cannot shake off because the enemy reinforces the lie over us. What is it? Unwanted, unloved. Failure, shame, fear, never achieve anything good. Blame. Blame. Blame wears you out. Blame holds you down. Blame is heavy. My fault. If only I could. I wish I could. Blame is heavy. That mistake. What is it that's over your life right now that God wants to break off you? What is it from your past that you carry into your present? Maybe you've been a Christian 25 years and that one thing that that person said to you years ago is still living with you. And it follows you around 
like a shadow. And when you do something unacceptable, it's right there reminding you, I told you so. I want to tell you, that's not God. He wants to break that off some of you today. And only that can happen supernaturally by His words. And I'm praying as I pray in a minute that God's Holy Spirit will take this prayer and break that stronghold off your mind and your life will disattach itself from you and never again to come to you because of the blood of Jesus. The Bible says, let him lead me to the banquet hall and let his banner over me be love. My son, my daughter, who I love, I'm well pleased. And so, as we come together right now, we're going to lean into God's word for this prayer. Because the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary. Listen, they have divine power to demolish strongholds and we demolish arguments, every pretension, every mistake, every lie, every untruth, every ungodly thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ let's just lift our hands to the Lord right now do you know online and in this room and every Christian meeting everywhere right now in this world do you know God knows every single thought that you're carrying right now and if God would even dare to let me have 20 of your thoughts, I wouldn't be able to get out of the house today. But God knows every single one of them. And some of those thoughts about yourself you've carried for far too long. And the voice of others over your life, which is not true, that has shaped you to believe a lie about you is not, has been there too long. And what you believe about yourself may not be accurate. And I'm asking God to do a miracle today in this room. I'm asking God to break every word which is a curse to your life. Every belief system that is attached to you which is ungodly. That its power would be broken today. And his life, and his truth, and his thoughts would attach themselves to you and bring freedom. So we're going to pray. Father, 
in your name today and by your word. I take authority over every pretension and every mindset which is ungodly. Every spoken word by others or by ourselves which is untrue. I take authority over those words and those mindsets and imaginations And I ask the Lord to be loose right now. I ask your word to wash them free. I ask your blood to protect them, to guard their minds and their hearts. I take authority over the lies of the devil. Holy Spirit, would you download from heaven right now over every heart and every mind the truth that's been preached today? Every child of God in this place, loved, accepted, approved, forgiven, blessed, redeemed, seated, adopted, and loved. Father, would you download your presence upon them right now? And fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit.